Hello and welcome to Farmland. Later in this programme, I sit down with Chair of AgTech Ireland and CEO of Terra Nutritech, Porik Hennessy, to discuss all things AgTech and how the latest innovations can help farmers meet their climate obligations. But first, Agriland Dairy Specialist Brian MacDonald speaks to Michelle McGrath from Animal Health Ireland to discuss milk recording, mastitis control and selective dry cow therapy. Now we're joined in the studio now by Michelle McGrath, the Acting Cell Check Manager with Animal Health Ireland. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. For obviously you're the Acting Cell Program Manager with Animal Health Ireland. So um, first of all, this was why is mastitis control in farms so important? Uh, thanks for having me. Um, well, I suppose mastitis is is one of the key uh, diseases that farmers deal with um, on a day to day basis. Um, and I suppose if we take it back a step, there are two kind of key um, areas of mastitis. There's um, contagious bacteria caused by contagious bacteria or caused by environmental bacteria. Um, so the environmental bacteria are the really sick cows, E. coli, um, and the cows pick up the infection from their environment. Um, or in the, in the summer will be from, you know, if the pastures were mucky or if the roadways were mucky, any, any kind of uh, bad environment they come in contact with. And then the contagious bacteria are those like the Staph aureus, um, which are spread during milking um, from infected milk or from milkers' hands or, you know, if the, if the liners need to be changed. So, um, just just to bring that in first why and then why it's important is depending on the type of mastitis um it if you don't it, you don't detect it early enough then it it becomes more of an issue obviously with the e. coli cases the cows get very sick but even with them um, contagious cases you're more likely to see um a rise in your cell count or um some subclinical cases but the trouble with um, those kind of contagious cases is that every infected cow has the potential to spread it to the next five or six cows that are milked with the same liner so that sometimes people forget that you might just think you have one cow that's infected but she's doing a lot of damage across the rest of the herd so um, they're, they're just things you need to keep in mind when you're controlling mastitis and then the other thing is um, Mastitis, you know, there's a big, big picture with mastitis. Sometimes people think, and I thought myself for a long time, you treat the one cow or the cow that has it and um, you, you're solving the problem. But really, there are so many factors that affect mastitis that you need to be um, on top of them all. And it's not, there's no real quick fix to mastitis. So mm. if, you, if you leave it go on, then it can, the problem multiplies quite rapidly. Yeah. And so it's also an issue in terms of the processes as well. Like they... It's more yeah. difficult for them to process. Yeah, so it's it's not good for anyone really. If you have high cell count, the farmers losing money, the processors can't process the milk. It's more difficult. So it's in everyone's best interest really to have um, as good quality milk as possible. Yeah, and this was what is the the value that farmers can gain by milk recording their cows? Um, so I suppose like milk recording, I, I guess in the last number of years, we as in Celcheck have been really trying to promote the importance of milk recording. The problem, I guess, well, some see it as a problem is that, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, a chore to milk record. And so people don't do it. But so we're trying to change the, the, the messaging around milk recording um, 
to promote the value of milk recording because um, you might just see it as a cost and not realize the value. But there are so many benefits to milk recording. Um, not only does it highlight <coughs> the high producers from the low producers, like sometimes cows are quite deceiving. You might think she's producing more than she actually is until you milk record her. Then you have the, the butter fat and proteins. They're very good at indicating if there's metabolic diseases going on in the herd. Um, and then not, obviously the cell count shows up the problem cows. Um, and the like we say to milk record, but really you, you need to use the data or the, the, the information you get from the milk recording. There's no point in milk recording and not doing anything about it. So um, it really is good at like the the information you get after milk recording is invaluable. It shows, um, you know, the recent infections, the cows that have a cell count over 200. And then if they're if, if, if they've had more than two recordings with a cell count over 200, they're considered as uh, persistently infected or chronic infected infected cows. And it gives you targets on the report of, of what you should be achieving. Um, and what you know is beneficial to be achieving and if you if you're if you're above these targets as in if you've more cows infected then it highlights where the problems are and the areas that you need to work on it also like those reports are, are really helpful before drying off and after drying off to show um, what cows are infected and may need um, antibiotics or um, if you do it within the first 30 or 60 days after calving um, it can show how, how good the cure rate was during the dry period or if they picked up new infections during the dry period. I think a lot of um, farmers don't realise that a lot of the infection is picked up during the dry period. They might necessarily get mastitis then because the dry udder isn't really the best environment for bacteria to grow, but it's when they start milking again and there's loads of milk around for the bacteria to use and grow, that's when the infection will occur. So um, that's something to kind of keep in mind that like the actual hygiene that drying off is so important and hygiene during the dry period. In terms of the milk run, I know you said about the reports and how important they are. This was, like They can be somewhat difficult to understand at times. Yeah. So is, is it a good idea maybe if you're having trouble to speak with your advisor, yeah. speak with your milk quality advisor, yeah, even the milk recording company, whoever's done it for you. That's a great point. And and people are like, you know, they are a bit daunting if you're not used to reading them. And even like every time I read them, I'm, I pick up something new, even though I've been looking at them since I was a child. But um, but there are people out there um, like your milk advisors, you say, Chagask advisor and your vet. A lot of the vets are being trained now to or they were always trained, but we're, we're kind of. Um, refreshing their memories, say, on, on how to read the reports and the importance of it, because it is daunting. Um, and we have, um, like, there's lots of resources available. There's resources on the Animal HI website, ICBF, um, also have great resources. Um, and it's, it's not to be afraid to ask for help. And that's kind of something that we are um, uh, saying across all um, Animal Health Ireland for all kinds of all aspects of mastitis um, the importance of the multidisciplinary approach um, and like mastitis is like it's a, a big enough like there's lots of factors involved so you need lots of different um, areas of expertise to help you with it be it the milking machine technician the milk quality advisor the vet or, or any, your chagask advisor <clears throat> so it's important, you know, that you're not going on your own and that to ask for help because they are they're all willing to help. Um, 
but sometimes it's hard to approach the subject. So. Yeah. And I suppose it's also important to say that like a cell count issue is a mastitis issue. It's yeah. Like a, a lot of people maybe misunderstand that it's yeah. just actually the same. They're the it, same stages. Yeah. Of, there are different stages of the same disease. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, that does cause confusion that, you know, a farmer might think they only have a cell count problem. They don't have a mastitis problem. But the reality is if, if you have a cell count problem, you have a mastitis problem. Yeah. And I suppose, um, is there enough farmers are, are cows being recorded in that country currently? Um, well, it is. It ha <coughs> has improved over the last number of years, and it's on last year it was just under fifty percent of farmers were milk recording, um, at about sixty six percent of the cows, which kind of means the the bigger herds tend to be doing it more. Um, I guess it's if it is something that we in and in Cellcheck are really promoting. It's one of our targets. Like we have the industry targets that we, we, we set out every few years and one of them is to to have um up to ninety five percent of farmers milk recording within the next few years and to increase it up to that every year. Uh to increase it every year up to that. And um so that is something we are really keen and like there's, there's nothing in it for Animal Health Ireland if you milk record. We're not trying to sell anything. It's just that it's so beneficial that we think it's so important. And especially with the new legislation now, um, that the, 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 the key message behind that is that the legislation is saying that you need individual cow information before a vet can prescribe you antibiotic, dry cow antibiotics. And so the best way and the most practical way of doing this is by milk recording. Uh, so it's it's just I can't overemphasize how important yeah. it is. And uh, just one more thing, actually, some people might think it's too late to start milk recording this year now, um, but it's not. And actually, it might be a better time to start when you're not stressed out in the parlor trying to train in heifers and, you know, with fresh cows. It's a quite a calm time of year in the milking parlor, so it would be a good time to start. And it will it will allay your fears around going into selective dry cow in the autumn if you have the information, you know, if you've planned for it, if you know what cows are problem cows or um, if you know what cows have high SEC or if and also another really important thing is to record your clinical cases. That's something that we really uh, a lot of people uh, don't record it on <coughs> on ICBF anyway, but they might record it on a, on a whiteboard or something in their parlor, but they never you know, transfer it or the information gets lost. Yeah. So it's important um, to, 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 to put it somewhere you'll be able to read it after. Can, there, can more be done to, to incentivise farmers? I know we've seen some of the co-ops introduce yeah. bonuses and like, should, that, should there be more of that being done or is it the yeah. case of it's the farmers should be just taking on the initiative and I suppose it's it's up to both really. Um, like the farmer will will benefit from it, the co-op will benefit from it, um, and it is like one of the one of the co-ops are making it a condition of supply now. But I I do think it would be great if if more of them did incentivize it, and and some do. You know, if you um if you do milk recording, they'll give you an extra bonus. Um, and th those co-ops seem to be doing better. So hopefully the other um, co-ops will, will look to these for advice on, on how to get more people milk recording, because it is obvious from the data that certain co-ops do better than others. So, or, or more of their farmers are milk recording. I mean, so they could learn from each other, but again, it is up to the farmer as well to, to do it, but it is, and like, they see it as a cost, as saying, but they need to look at it as the, the value they're getting out of it as well. Yeah. 
And this was with the new regulation that you did mention early on. Um, this was what would be the protocol for, say, a farmer who thinks a cow needs an antibiotic tube come drying off? Like, what is like? I know this is going to be new to everyone this year, and maybe the autumn calving lads will be the bit of the tests in the water, I suppose now. Yeah, and I suppose anything that's new, you know, people get worried about it. So that's why we're trying, we've been working like hard in the last number of years, especially to prepare people for for um, selective dry cow. And um, we have a free consult available to farmers um, that, you know, if some that haven't joined up already that might want to, to join up if, if they have a low cell count and if they're milk recording, um, they're entitled to a free three-hour consult with their vet, which would be a good starting point if they haven't done it already. They go through the records and they go through the routine and the housing and, you know, just kind of general things they can do to improve it. Um, but also what, what farmers can do now to prepare for the drying off. Um, they'll need the legislation, as I say, says you need individual cow information. It doesn't really specify what that is, whether how much it is like, but... Um, from um, really you need at least one recording or, or sample of milk tested from each cow to see what their cell count is to see if they need an antibiotic um, like we're, we're not saying like some cows obviously will will still need an antibiotic and um, we're not saying that they shouldn't get them but we're just saying that some cows don't need it and it's you know it's a it's a bit of a waste really giving it to those that don't need it um so but it's to identify the cows that need it is is the challenge um and again it's a bit like what you were saying um how can they get support like we don't really want farmers just doing it to every cow not knowing what their cell count is either um because if if they need the antibiotic then from a, an animal welfare and health point of view it, it wouldn't be a good thing to do but um I think if they start milk recording now or even in if people are aren't milk recording now or um and vets are probably wondering what can they do if they don't have any information then uh, an alternative would be to do um a california mastitis test but um on each cow but it would have to be done by the prescriber and again it's, it's not very practical but it, m it might get them out of the hole for this year and then next year they could start um milk recording yeah and i suppose then in terms of like we're we're talking about like individual farms so like it's not going to be a case of one level of cell count is going to fit every farm yeah so it's important that farmers do consult with their their vets their yep. milk quality advisors and probably do these consults and see like yep. what is the level on their farm that is suitable for dry cow therapy yeah. versus that, that's a good point yeah because like we might say 100 or fifty thousand, but if if um if there's a lot of mastitis on your farm, then you need to lower that rate again. And it's very hard to pick a one size fits all. So that's why it is important to consult with your vet or your advisor on what the what you should be doing and not to just go straight into it and try it yourself, because then you'll have a bad experience and you won't want to do it again. Yeah. And I suppose then just on la the lastly, in terms of like cows that do require antibiotics, it's, it would be important to say that they farmers should ensure look at what antibiotics actually required rather than just going for maybe the same one across the herd like is yeah. should it be an individual cow kind of treatment as well yeah that's that's good point as well and um so to to know kind of what um bacteria are in your farm uh how to to get to that you you know any case you have during the year you should take a sample um 
and get it tested before treatment um, in the lab. Um, and that being from, or even before drying off, if you can um, get a, a selection of cows with a high cell count, young and old, um, and get those samples tested, it will give you an idea of the profile of bacteria on your farm because um, you might be treating for the wrong um, bacteria. Um, and again, I suppose it's worth mentioning that, you know, one, like, I know we're probably, farmers are probably sick of hearing about, you know, using less antibiotics and they think that we're, we're against them. But I suppose I was um, watching um, a video that we have, we made there with Animal Health Ireland and um, Martin Cormack and the, the microbiological doctor in Galway. He's the lead on AMR. And he was saying it was it's very hard for us to imagine um, life without antibiotics, but it's not that long ago when we didn't have antibiotics. In fact, it's only about 100 years or less than 100 years. And, and when they came, it was um, they were seen as like uh, magic bullets. But he said even since he has started practicing in the in the late 80s, antibiotics that he could use then with certainty don't work now. And it's they're you know they're becoming more and more of those antibiotics and that's it's um it is a problem and that's why we are trying to make farmers aware of this is the reason behind um the legislation and it's not against farmers it's um so that we can all benefit from antibiotics that will work in the future for our own families going forward so thanks very much for coming in michelle thanks very much for having me Next, AgriLand editor Stella Meehan interviews Chair of Te AgTech Ireland and CEO of Terra Nuchtech, Pork Hennessy. I'm joined now by the Chair of AgTech Ireland and CEO of Terra Nutritech, Pork Hennessy. Thank you for joining us on Farmland Pork. Thank you. First of all, as you are Chair of AgTech Ireland, can you um, explain to me the significance behind that grouping or what the aim of the grouping was? So the aim of the group is to uh, bring ag tech companies together in Ireland. Um, there's a lot of different ag tech companies have been going in Ireland for the last um, you know, 10, 15 years and a lot more starting up in the last number of years. So the aim was to bring everyone together to foster, um, I suppose, an area of collaboration, to be able to promote ag tech in the island of Ireland, to enhance it and especially then to advocate for it. Um, it's, a, it's an industry that's only starting up, um, so it's really important that we speak to all of the various stakeholders, um, you know, from government to Enterprise Ireland to research um, to, other, to other members in the industry and try and bring everyone together, um, kind of under one banner, where we can help influence what's happening in the, in the, um, in, in the environment, I suppose. You mentioned it's a relatively new industry, ag tech, and for a lot of farmers that listen to us here now on farmland they may not actually know what ag tech means so in layman's terms could you maybe explain it so people have a wider understanding there's, there's a lot of different definitions of ag tech um, and, and some people think you know that it's using artificial intelligence or it's 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 um, using edge computing but ag tech in my mind is any technology at all that actually helps a farmer on farm you know 100 years ago a, 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 um, a, a very simple trashing machine would have been ag tech you know, and, and I suppose that's the way I want people to, to start thinking of it. It's any technology at all that can actually help a farmer um, produce, uh, reduce labour um, or, or, or simplify processes on farm. How significant is ag tech nowadays, in particular with climate change ambitions and so on? 
Um, more and more. I mean, farmers can't work any harder. Um, you know, most farmers are already working, you know, right to the limit of what they can do. And farming is going to change hugely over the next number of years. Um, you know, there's the changing consumer preference, uh, preferences. There is um, the sustainability and climate agenda now that's really going to come to the fore in the next 10 years. So it's going to be with the use of technologies that a lot of, um, a, a lot of these areas, the problems will be solved. Um, and it's being able to give those tools to farmers to help them solve um, th those, in those, those problems, I suppose, for them. So when you talk about AgTech and the collaboration within AgTech Ireland, is it a matter of bringing research, theory, ideas to government towards policy making? Or would you have a view of getting this down to the nuts and bolts of the farmer on the ground at some point? It, it needs to be to the nuts and bolts of the farmer because that's, that's what it is. We can all talk about AgTech and, and, and talk about it at a level up here, but unless we get it to the level on farm, then it's pointless. So it's one of the big aims of it is, is even just simply bringing companies together and, and fostering conversations with companies of, well, how are you solving this issue with your technology or my technology is doing this, your technology is doing... My, te my technology is doing A, your technology is doing B. Do you know what? If we bring the two of these together, we can actually give more value to the farmer. And it's those sort of conversations now that we need to start fostering um, because there's a lot of different technologies starting to be enabled on farms. And sometimes joining those technologies up gives a lot of extra value to the farmer um, as well. So it's, 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 it's about kind of bringing the whole ecosystem together to see where that extra value can be gotten. You mentioned extra value there. Is AgTech at the moment being driven by sustainability? Is it being driven by increased profitability? Um, probably not as not sustainability as much as it as it should. I think that will that will come straight to the top over the next number of years. Um, profitability is one huge element. Uh, labor is actually also another one. I mean, uh, getting um, labor on farm now is becoming more and more of a problem each year. So any ways to cut down labour on farm is, is seen as um, a benefit to the farmer. Um, and then as well, you have um, you know, traceability and ease of, ease of workload. You, know, you have new farmers entering into the profession now. And the expectation, I suppose, coming inside of the, inside of the kitchen door is they should be around a bit more, you know, helping with children, you know, more so probably than most, people's, uh, most people would have seen when they were growing up. So, with all of that increased pressures, I suppose, coming from various different um, areas in their lives, they need ways to make their work life easier. And, and that's another big, big driver of AgTech at the moment. What do you think is the reception within government, for example, towards AgTech? Is it being adequately supported? Um, it's only started to be recognised as a legitimate um, industry in its own right, I suppose. Um, it's only in the last number of, of weeks that Enterprise Ireland have even actually defined AgTech as an area where they really want to promote and, and uh, help companies with. So they've only recently just set up an AgTech division. Um, in the other government circles, I think it's only just starting to be recognised. It's not there yet. I think it's a long way from being recognised as a potential problem solver for some of the issues coming down along the line. Um, I think it will get there. Um, hopefully in the next round of funding there will be more funding available for farmers to actually adopt AgTech, um, but it's a long way to go yet. And in terms of the research and innovation that you know Chagas will purport to carry out, mm -hmm. are, are they, I suppose, an agency in Ireland to the forefront of the AgTech, ag or is it more down to the private companies? 
Um, there, there are an element of it. Um, from what I see is a lot of the private companies really taking taking that torch and driving it um, forward. That it's 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 companies um, that are just looking at the problems and seeing well what is the problem on farm, and implementing a solution, getting it into market, and then seeing is it good enough for market? What needs to be changed, and where can we give that extra value to farms? I think Chagas are probably looking at some of the longer term problems, which needs to be looked at as well, as it's more difficult for commercial companies to, to do, you know, commercial companies that don't have the resources behind them to look at a, at a five-year five year R&D pipeline um, for, you know, one particular project. That, I think, would be Chagas's role. The shorter term uh, and the implementation of that um, tech on-farm then will be down to, to private companies. Apart from your role as chair of AgTech Ireland, you're also the CEO and founder of uh, Terra NutriTech. Tell me about innovations and ag tech within your own company. It's it's a relatively new company, mm -hmm. uh, I think 10 years old now yeah, this be, year. It'll be 10 years old uh, yeah, um, later on this year. A company kind of known very much for being innovative in itself. And I suppose that's probably what led you into ag tech Ireland. It certainly is, yes. It was a number of years ago when I was actually reading an article about ag tech. And I, I could just see from the article, even the researcher didn't know where to go. I mean, it, it, they were viewing ag tech as all over the place in Ireland, kind of. And I, I've built up enough of a of a um, contact book, I suppose, within the ag tech industry in Ireland over the last number of years that I, I picked up the phone to some of my other peers in the industry, saying, "You know what? Is this something you're interested in becoming involved in? Should we look at setting up this up?" And I got some other leaders in the industry as well uh, on board, and that's why we set it up. But as regards the R&D pipeline, um, say for Terra Nutritech, um, it's really, really important to keep that R&D pipeline going. Our first product offering 10 years ago has changed drastically to where it is now because the expectation of technology has even changed drastically in the last 10 years. I saw about five years ago, um, our clients were coming back to us and the question was, is there an app for that? Whereas five years before that, so 10 years ago, it wasn't even on the, on the horizon having apps for, for technologies. So you need to keep up with the technology evolution, I suppose, to make sure that you stay relevant on farm and introduce the technologies that can add the most value to the farmer. Can you give me an example of some of those technologies? As I said earlier, sometimes it can perhaps be difficult for just farmers on the ground every day trying to understand what you know, people mean by innovation or technologies mm -hmm. and so on. What sort of things can benefit them? So there's a, there's a whole gamut of technologies out there. I, I, I'll just speak about my own very quickly, um, that we've developed a, a precision nutrition system. So basically we can put um, minerals into water systems or onto feed uh, highly accurately. And what that allows farmers to do is to uh, enhance their overall animal health by targeting exact deficiencies. At the moment, it's kind of a scattergun approach. And I suppose because of the use of technology, which we are using, we're able to use a rifle effectively to to um, target in on the exact deficiencies and increase that animal health, increase, increase the uh, life expectancy of the animal, increase production, reduce health issues, etc. All of which I suppose obviously at the end of the day benefits the farmer. Absolutely, and, and um, not only benefits the farmer's bottom line, but the sustainability uh, of farming in general as well. There's a lot of other technologies, like you can go all the way you know, down to the complete software level, the likes of your herd watches, for example, um, the technologies that are being brought in on, in milking parlors, you know, the likes of Pearson's are bringing in um, some really good technologies there. Um, so there's technologies being brought in right across that can help um, at each, each stage of, uh, of, of, of what's happening actually on the farm.
Now, you can imagine that if a farmer was considering investing in new technologies or something that might benefit him um, in the medium term on farm, the first thing that they're going to think about, particularly this year with the high cost of inputs and so on, is the cost. Mm -hmm. Is it worth considering investing in these type of technologies when you've done something a certain way for so many years? Any any investment on farm, you need to look at the at the ROI on that investment. Um, you know, if there isn't an ROI for an investment on farm, it doesn't make sense, in my opinion. Um, so, no matter what you're looking at, and and sometimes the the, the metrics might be cutting down labour, um, because you have labour issues on farms. It might be specific animal health issues. It might be production issues. Whatever it is, there has to be an ROI. If there's not a suitable uh, ROI on, on any ag tech, in my opinion, that ag tech is not feasible going forward. So um, it's, it's even in a year where um, cash flow is under strain, if there's a good enough ROI in any ROI, um, return on investment on any technology, then it is always worth considering. Where would you see the future of ag tech going and growing over the next, we'll say, five years, 10 years up to 2030? Um, Emissions are going to be one of the biggest drivers of ag tech, in my opinion, over the next number of years. Um, and it's it's being able to obviously reduce those emissions to, in order to keep the national herd where it's at. Um, I think there will be more focus on data as well. Um, we're already starting to see some of those conversations kind of at a, at, a, at a national level going, how are we going to integrate all of this data in order to give um, real value back to farmers? And in my opinion, that value back to farmers needs to be a decision matrix. It needs to be a yes, no. Do I treat this cow with antibiotics? Yes, no. Do I um, remove this cow from my herd because her production or methane or, or whatever, or, or propensity towards lameness or whatever it is? Yes, no. It needs to be very simple. I'm seeing some technologies coming out and you nearly need to be a, a data scientist in order to understand what's, what's happening. And I think we need to simplify some of those technologies and join various data sets together from various different companies in order to really give that value back to farmers. One of the big challenges there will be the um, will be data itself and the availability of that data and the usage of that da data, especially with GDPR, um, to be able to, so effectively what that means is to be able to drill back down to that farm and use some of the data you're getting from other farms and from a national level to help make decisions on that farm. Do you think that going forward, the likes of AgTech Ireland and indeed agribusiness, I suppose, on a wider scale, should be invested in more by the government, by the policy that the government is compiling? Absolutely. Um, I mean, if, if even just bringing it back to sustainability, if um, the government comes out and, and uh, there's already musings about it, I suppose, reducing the national herd because of methane emissions, that's going to cost the country a huge amount of money. Um, so there needs to be further investment by the government in, into this. Um, because the more investment by the government, the more solutions that will be available to farms and the more we can keep rural Ireland um, operational, I suppose, at a farm level, because it needs to be, uh, it needs to be profitable for farmers in order to, to, to keep moving it forward. And just personally in your own company then, Porik, what's the future for Terra Nutritech in terms of are you going to have to continue to evolve and come up with further solutions? Absolutely. Where are your markets? I mean, I know everywhere was hit, um, obviously, with uh, the, the pandemic at the mm -hmm. time. Brexit obviously is playing a big role at the moment also. But I'd imagine you have a sustainable model. Yeah, well, we do. We're, we're actually... Um, 
already this year we've launched in a number of European number of Euro European countries. Um, we're looking at further expansion internationally. Um, we have a very solid R&D pipeline as well. We're looking at um, real-time mineral analysis of milk. We're also uh, working with uh, BioAtlantis and UCD on a methane um, study to see putting supplements in through water systems, can we reduce those methane emissions? Um, you know, that project is probably a, a three to five year project. It's not going to happen overnight, but we need to start looking at, well, where is farming going and can we help bring solutions to farming in the, in the short, medium and long term? Corey Kennessy, thank you very much for joining us on Farmland. Thank you very much. That's all from this episode of Farmland. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure and stay up to date with all the latest agricultural news on agriland.ie or at the following links.